0: Um, as you know, we have this event coming up called the One Thing Conference. It's an amazing time. You know, if you love spending time in worship, you're gonna love having um, spending time in worship here. They have worship, and speakers, to just an amazing time. So you get to know. Like, if you think these are a lot of people, imagine this thing whole packed out. Times like another top uh, times another hundred times another hundred. So come out. Um, wherever Lawrence is at, ask him for more info. He's leading it up. Um. We, you know, we want to have you here. So now we do have prizes in our uh, in our youth group. It's uh, You bring a visitor, you get a candy for you and your friend. How many of you guys have gotten candy already? Cool. So bring a visitor, get candy and friend. Two, you bring the most visitors to the end of October, and you come for free to the One Thing com- Worship Conference. So how many of y'all like free? I know I do. Yes. So bring the most friends, and you get your scholarship. You get to go for free to the conference. And three, bring the most friends on an E-night. So it's when we have, like, the skits and stuff like that, like those fun nights, which every night is a fun night, but this is a special fun night. Um, Bring the most friends on that night, and you get a $25 gift card to the Harlem and Irving Plaza Mall. The hip, right? So $25 is a lot. I don't know how much jewelry I can get with that. Um, Here at Elevate, we have a uh, vision. It's loving God and loving people. How many guys can love God? How many of you guys love people? Amen. amen, amen. And the way that we show how to love God and love people is through our uh, strategy, um, and that's through connect, mentor, and send. So with connecting, we connect you to Jesus. Amen. That's a cool way to connect you to Jesus. We also connect you to, to Jesus through life groups or our breakout groups. We did that, and then we have life groups. We have the ambassadors. Everybody, give it up for the ambassadors. We have the resistance. And righteously redeemed. Now nah, y'all, 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 you y'all put the music down on purpose for that one. And then we mentor you about Jesus. So we have this thing called 101, um, and that's when you meet like someone with myself, with some of the leaders here, and we one, we go one on one, and we talk to you about what Jesus um, did on a cross for you and things like that. So we want to connect you to the cross. Um, And then we want to mentor you about the cross, a.k.a. Jesus. And then we want to send you out to do the same thing. We want to send you out into your neighborhood, into your schools, into your community to talk about Jesus. Because that's what it's it's all about. We're not here to just stay in the church and just keep it together. Right? And so here's our goal. We want 50 churches in Chicago, 100,000 disciples, and 500 churches around the world. If you believe that can happen, say amen. Let me get a what, what? Nice, nice, now we have tithes and offerings, so if you can stand up please, this is my favorite part because we get to like bring math to Friday nights, I know you guys all love math, so a tithe and offering, you guys hear that every week, what is a tithe, can anyone tell me, yes, 10% of your total income, good job guys, and what is an offering, Good readers, good readers, whatever you offer to God after your tithe, right, so here's an example, what, what is 10% of 20, so it's 25 times 25 times 25, get your calculators out, get your calculators out, I'll walk you through this, what's 25 times 25 times 25, Yes, use a calculator. I would use a calculator. That's the smartest thing to do. All right, someone's got the answer already. So 25 times 25 times 25, and then 10% of that. Oh, I, all your hands went down. Ro, come here, come here. Come here, Raul. All right, the swag master himself. So what? 25 times 25 times 25 is that? What is that first? Oh, sit back down. Sit back down. Oh. Come here, come here, Ivan. Oh my gosh, why do you you guys are giving me like an anxiety attack right now? Twenty-five times twenty-five times twenty-five is what? Uh, okay. What's ten percent? Uh, one thousand five hundred and sixty-two and fifty cents. Survey says. Yeah, give it up, for Ivan. Yes, I said to use a calculator duh that's what you use on the isats right nice so uh 10 whatever you make throughout the week if it is a thousand dollars then yes by all means give 10 um so we're gonna read this scripture out really quick and then we're gonna pray all right after me i'm gonna say second corinthians and then you read the rest ready second corinthians 9 6 Amen. Let's bar our, uh, our heads and close our eyes. Lord God, I thank you, God, for these students. I thank you, God, for the blessings that you've put up on their life, God, um, whether it be with money or with things or items or just with time. Lord God, we just thank you for everything, everything that you've given us. Um, I pray that you um, just be with Ellie tonight, that you just um, have your way in the service, that these students would understand um, the work that comes forward tonight. I, I pray for their week ahead, and I pray for them individually. Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Come forward, please, to this wonderful bucket.
1: living it so astounding love is the ocean you could drown me the sweet embrace the lovely taste i taste to see i'm grace the place to be it means i'll never need an umbrella i'm cool in the cold in the hot weather whether or never i ever understand i'm a man in the hands of great plans to stand with faith then in life i never know the touch. still i saw my clutch but i'm like what's the dream of what's the hope in what's the doubt for live to no end. this is living the life i'm gonna give as a gift if i'm a living i'm gonna with the death so what's the dream of how many of you guys excited about tonight you guys are not excited. I know you guys, I know who it was. I know who it was. You see, because you didn't say woo right now, okay? I want you to look to your neighbor, and I want you to stare intently into their eyes. And I want you to say the first thing that comes to your heart. Out <laughs> of nowhere, I love you. <laughs> what, that, I do not know that, that came out of nowhere. I love you so much. I love the way you look today. You look so nice. Now, if you have another neighbor, look to them. And then now, stare intently into their eyes. Stare intently into their eyes. Don't say anything yet. Just look into their eyes. And now, say what you feel in your heart. When you see them, when you look at them, what do you want to say to them? is it nice? I hope it's nice. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All righty, guys, you already know. I want to just give a really quick announcement before we continue with the sermon and whatnot. I want you guys to look at the screen, and we have our flyer up. It is called No Exit, all right? So this is going to be our E-Night coming up October 30th. This is the last Friday of the month, all right? And this is going to be an awesome E-Night. We have a special, everybody say special, Special. live performance. We have a play that we're going to be hosting, doing awesome, okay? So I want you guys to invite your friends, all right? Now, I want you to think a number in your head. I don't even want you to go ahead and think like, okay, now, you know, I say to you the number. No, I want you to think of a number in your head. If you just said right now, all of my first floor in the school, then go ahead. You're going to invite every single person on the first floor of your school. If you thought to yourself, I want to invite two people, then go ahead and invite two people. Then, But if somebody in this place would invite their whole entire floor for the E-Night, dude, I would, I'm telling you right now, guys, I am going to give you a special prize okay? It's just not, it's going to be, it's going to be worthwhile. I know I can give you a hug anytime, all right? But it's going to be worthwhile, all right? So, your entire floor, I want to have evidence of this, okay? So, I want to see it, like, your candid shots and all that stuff. You're, like, talking to your professors and all that stuff, and you have, like, the person, you're, like, handing out a little fly, You're, like, hey, I want you to come to you. No way I want to see it. I don't want to hear you just say it, because everybody can go and be, like, yeah, I, I did it, I did it, but I want to see it somehow. I want some proof, Okay? All right, everybody, everybody everybody, got that? Okay, so invite your friends for this E-Night. It's going to be off the chain. It's going to be amazing, all right? And if you want to come dressed up, you can come and dress up as much as you want. Obviously, we believe that you can't be coming crazy, okay? So don't be coming crazy in this place because you come crazy in this place. What we're going to do is we're going to say, hey, crazy, get out, all right? No, 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 I don't want to see no crazy, right? So don't be coming crazy. Don't be coming here like all like demonic and all that stuff and thinking you're going to come here to the church that way. All right. It's no exit, exactly. Once you come in, there's no way out, okay? Literally no exit. You see that? You see that? That picture right there, that is the future with you, and you're trying to get out, but you can't, okay? So don't, I, I don't want to scare you, but don't do it. All guys, we're continuing on in our series called Disciples. Everybody say Disciples. Disciples. Say it really, 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 really manly, right? Disciples. Disciples. Ooh. I like it, I like it, I like it. All right, if anybody in this row, if you can guess who is on the screen, please do it. Okay, go ahead. Rudy. Who is it? Rudy. Is it Rudy? Services? It's Rudy! Whee! Okay, cool. It is Rudy. Anybody want to guess the city that he is in? Now, you. if you weren't there, then don't say, okay. So I'm going to give it to somebody that's not a relative of the person. Let's, oh, I see people over there. Sebastian go ahead Uh, New Orleans. how did he do that oh my gosh there's a prophet among us guys okay it is New Orleans that is the biggest street there it's called Canal Street yes it's Rudy he's preaching the gospel I always like to say that because I always like to make Rudy feel special in the back and all that stuff so you know like he has like a little like that when when we talk about him over there he feels not forgotten about all right guys disciples Disciples, it's what is all about, all right? And today we're going to be talking about the inner circle. Everybody say, ooh, the inner circle, all right? I want to first see, if you're in 101, make some noise. Man, I'm so proud of that. If you're in 201, make some noise. If you just graduated and became a deacon, make some noise. <laughs> awesome, awesome, yeah. All right. Obviously, man, this place is full of what? It's full of disciples, okay, already. Man, we have so many disciples in this building, man. I'm so happy that you guys keep coming consistently, man. So this is what's going to happen. We are going to give a special word for you guys. I want you guys to learn about what it means to be a disciple in a new level, okay? You guys have heard it before. You've heard the message. You've been in 101. You've heard some of those lessons and all stuff, and they're great. But I want you guys to hear this from my heart today. It's time to go deeper everybody in discipleship if you're a deacon i don't care it's time to go deeper if you are a 201 er it's time to go deeper if you are in 101 it's time to go deeper deeper now try to go deep in your voice deep deep hey mom hey mama, i want some cereal that's leo that's leo in the morning hey mom i want some cereal awesome let's pray before we get into the message Everybody, um, lift up your hands, wiggle them. (laughs) You guys are always expecting to lower your head and then, you know, close your eyes. Now, keep wiggling them, okay? Keep wiggling them. Now, if you can try to pray with a serious... (laughs) No, I can't do it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Put them down. Put them down. All right. Put your hands down. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's get really somber now, okay? Make a pouty face when you're praying too, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. God, we know that you're moving within the midst of of those here, God, the the disciples in this building, God. That you would see them get transformed in the renewing of their minds, God. That they would not be conformed to the patterns of this world, God. You see them here, God, and you draw them out, Lord. And they've come and they are saying, I want to follow you. They've heard of the great things about you, God. They heard about your salvation, God. And so I pray tonight, God, that they would go deeper with you, Lord. I pray tonight, God, that they would go into the inner circle with you, God. That they would not be on the outside, God, but they would be on the inside, Lord. They would be closer to you, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Awesome, all right. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 3, verse 13, okay? Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Ain't going to be on the screen, ain't going to be on it, all right? So don't go ahead and try it, don't go ahead and wish it, it ain't going to be there. But if you have a Bible, you can crack it open and you can get to that part, Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And this is what Mark chapter 3, verse 13 says. You're saying, I'm still looking for it. I don't care. Okay, I'm going for it. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted. Everybody say, he wanted. wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Everybody say, "Drive drive out. No, no, come on. Let's say it. Like, drive out. Like, you got a demon in your house that's levitating in your bed, and you're trying to go to sleep, but it won't let you go to sleep. It's coming at your door, and it's knocking, and you're, like, opening, it. you're like, who is there? Oh, my gosh, it's a ghost and all stuff. No, when you're in that house, and you want to cast out a demon, how are you going to do it? You're going to drive out, or what are you going to do? Are you going to drive out? Are you going to do that, or what is it going to be, okay? So, everybody, one, two, three, drive out! Woo! Okay, that's how it goes, okay? That's how we do it in this place. We drive out demons. We ain't afraid of them, Okay? care about no grudge she comes let her come let her come try to open up my door and all stuff with her long hair and all stuff and her creaky her little voice and all that uh, okay good luck with that when you're on your way to hell okay you're going back there okay you're going back you ain't be in my house this is the house of the holy ghost so drive out demons verse 16 these are the 12 he appointed now you guys say their names in a really sophisticated manner simon to whom he gave the name peter James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom he gave the name, uh, man, I just, I, I heard this word today, I can't believe I lost it, man, uh, B- Boanerges or whatever, okay, which means sons of thunder, okay, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, I love that name, all right, please, name your children that, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, Bartholomew. if it's a girl, Bartholomew, Bartholomew. 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 Or I don't know, <laughs> okay. Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. We all know that there were 12 people following Jesus when he was on the earth, when he was doing his ministry, okay? We all know that. We've heard about it before, the 12. And a lot of the times we kind of get it twisted because we think that the 12 were just uh, disciples. And we don't, we don't remember sometimes that they were apostles as well. Apostles were specific a different type of office in the church. They were specifically called to lead the church in the beginning phase. They were really awesome people, man. They were full of power of God. And as you read in the book of Acts, that's they're just doing crazy things for God. You see revival happening and they're going around, they're preaching, they're leading the church in Jerusalem. It's amazing. But they were disciples as well. These guys were disciples who were following Jesus. And obviously, we know that when we read more of the Bible, we see that there was more people than just the 12 that were following Jesus. A lot of times, when Jesus was going to city to city, he would have a whole crowd following him. I'm talking about big, big crowds because they heard that Jesus was healing the sick and he was literally raising the dead. He was driving out demons. Now, some towns, because he came... People started getting really upset, so they, they said to him, you know, like, hey, we don't want you here anymore. Leave us alone. So sometimes he had to just walk out. In his own hometown, he was not received. Imagine that, like in Chicago, you get really famous, and everyone's like, oh, no, no, no one cares about Alyssa, man, even though she's like a billionaire now, you know, but no one cares about that. Why? Because in your hometown, you won't be received. So Jesus went from place to place to place. And we actually said something about that a few weeks ago with that scripture verse. The son of man has no place to lay his head. He'll be traveling and traveling all the time preaching the gospel. And he had those 12 with him, but at the same time, he had a lot of other people going. So in a lot of parts in the Bible, we see that maybe he's trying to like chill, but then all these crowds come to him. So what does he have to do? He has to actually go on a boat and he has to try to leave them. And sometimes they still chase them. They still wanted more from him. So Jesus is like, man, you guys are all crazy, man. Can you just leave me alone? You guys don't even want me. You just want like the bread that I'm giving you. So Jesus was followed by a lot of people. But here he said that he chose 12 He wanted them to come with him. He wanted them to be these leaders of the early church. But, everyone say but, suspendfully, but, there were three that were closer to Jesus than the other ones. Now, Jesus, he loved every single person that he was with. Don't get me twisted in this sermon. Don't think that I'm trying to tell you something different. Like, oh, Jesus loved them so much more. No, like, Jesus loved everybody. He loved even us. You know, today, we are 2,000 years away from when Jesus was on the earth, but he still loved us. The Bible says God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus loves everybody, but specifically he had three that were close to him, that were near him all the time. And I'm going to share with you guys some scripture verses today just to open your eyes and see what the inner circle was like. But before we even go on, I want you guys to think about this. There's going to be three points I'm going to give you guys today, all right? So the first point is going to be that the inner circle got to see Jesus in agony. So please, go into your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Mark chapter 14 verse 32. And when you're there you can say amen. Say it like that, like you just you just like amen. Like just like that. Oh, how are you doing? I got a baby. I got a baby crawling over here. Mark chapter 14 verse 32. And this is what it says. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." You see, so he said to all his disciples, He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. So he had these disciples, and at this part in the Gospels, we see that Jesus was literally about to go into the hands of his betrayer. Of the betrayers, and those who were trying to seek after him to get him crucified, to kill him. They were conspiring a way to kill Jesus. And so here at the night before, Jesus is distressed. He has his heart troubled, and he sees his disciples, the ones that have been following him for literally three years. And what does he say to them? I want you guys to sit over here, wait while I pray, but I'm going to call you three along with me. So he calls Peter, and he calls James, and he calls John. These three are the ones that we're talking about that we see in the Gospels, that Jesus was always around and he called them to places that not all the other disciples got to see. Peter was the first person that he actually got to pick when he was calling his disciples with him. And now we see Peter. Peter's been just crazy all this whole entire time. Peter's been following him. A lot of times when you read the gospel, Peter's the first person to say something because he loves Jesus. He loves who he's following. He knows what Jesus is. He knows that Jesus is the Christ, the one who's come so that he can give his life for many so that all can be saved. So uh, Peter knows this. And on the other flip side now, we have the two brothers, the sons of thunder. We have James and Bible doesn't really talk a lot about that, James, but we have John, and this John actually wrote the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament, and he also wrote Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, and I know you guys probably have heard about Revelation, you'd be like reading it, and you're like, man, that's scary, because like God's like doing crazy things, he's sending plagues upon the earth, that's where you hear about the Antichrist, that's where you hear about uh, uh, the Armageddon, that's where you hear the end times, basically, so who was the person who Got that, understand, it was John. And actually, John is considered the beloved of Jesus. He was closest to Jesus. So even though we have an inner circle of three, John would have been the closest to him. So we see this, right? So we see that they're here, and Jesus calls them to pray along with him. Go to verse 35. Going a little further, he fell to the ground, prayed that it's possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Everybody say that. The spirit is willing, willing. but the flesh is weak. That's Jesus right there. Jesus is saying that the spirit is willing. What you want to do, your your whole entire heart is saying, "Man, I want to go ahead. I want to stay up with Jesus." Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. You get tired. You don't have enough calories in you. Getting a little cranky. Maybe Peter got cranky. Started yelling at the other guys. He's like, "I don't want to go to sleep. I don't care what Peter or what Jesus is saying." But listen, now we see that Jesus is here, and Jesus is talking. Uh, he's In anguish, his heart is troubled before him. Why is his heart troubled so much? Because he's literally about to be crucified. He's literally about to go into what is the most horrendous way to possibly die. But more than that, the reason why Jesus was in such agony is because he was literally about to feel the punishment of God upon his very self. The Bible says that he was led like a, like a sheep to the, to the slaughter. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was led to get slaughtered, and he was willing to do it. But he was asking God, God, what, what can I do here? So you, we see these disciples, and these disciples were close to him, hearing Jesus. You see, we often have this image of God, and God doesn't really want us to experience what He feels or what He's thinking about something. But no, here this is simple. He had, you had Jesus literally on his knees and crying out to God, crying out to Him. He's saying, "God, will You please take this from me? But if not, not my will, but Your will be done." The disciples, the inner circle, were there to see that. They were experiencing raw Jesus. They were experiencing the real relationship and what was literally about to happen to him. It was intense. It was crazy what was about to happen to Jesus. And he's not just like an ordinary person that gets persecuted for his faith. No, he literally experiences all the sins of all mankind, past, previous, whatever, upon him that next following day. So this is Jesus here in agony. His heart is troubled, his heart is bothered. But we have the inner circle seeing that. Number two, the inner circle gets to see Jesus' glory. I don't know about you, man, but the glory of God is amazing. Go into your, in your Bibles to Luke chapter. Uh, let's see, Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-eight. Luke chapter nine, verse twenty eight. This is talking about the transfiguration. Now, that's a big word, the transfiguration. Everybody say that, transfiguration. You're like, what is that? Well, basically, Jesus transformed into an autobot. No, he did not. Jesus transformed. Jesus was 100% fully God, and he had this two things. He, he, he was 100% God, but he also was a man on this earth. He was kind of like an avatar. He was inside of this body, and he was able to do things like that. Um, so look, in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 28, it says, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James. Oh, look, they're there again. Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious sp- uh, splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. Everybody say, His glory. And the, two, and, and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to them, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. He was such caught up in this crazy moment. He was like, I don't know what, I'm just speaking right now because it's just so crazy what's happening here. i just blah, you know, like it's, you could have easily said something like that. Like, I like pancakes. Oh, my gosh. This is like how crazy this moment was because there was no presence of God for you hundreds of years before this moment, and then you have now Jesus, and Jesus is going around casting demons out. He is healing the sick, raising the dead, and then you are in the inner circle with him, and guess what he does? He transforms. He looks crazy. He looks as as white as a flash of lightning. How can he, this is just mind-boggling of how this just opened their eyes. These disciples were able to see what was happening, and it was such an awesome moment. They saw Jesus for who he really is. They saw the glory of Jesus, and they were in awe. Now, I know you guys may be saying, well, I don't know, man. Jesus looks like he's like that really... Uh, really handsome guy, you know, with long hair. He kind of, if he just put his hair back in the man bun, he would look even hotter and all that, right? And he was walking around with was like, nice, like, you know, whatever thing, a tunic, I was going to say, a tunic or a robe or whatever. That's Jesus, you know, the, my, the nice man bun guy. And he has to take a selfie. He's like, hmm, look at me and all that, right? No, it's not Jesus here, okay? Jesus had a glory. He had a real appearance, his heavenly appearance, his real look looked like that, powerful, majestic. All inspiring the disciples, those who were closest to Jesus were able to see him in all the glory of God. Do you want to see Jesus in his glory? Do you want to see Jesus and and God just before you with all the power of who they are? Do you want to see that? Or are you just kind of saying to yourself, well, you know what, like, I think Jesus is kind of all right, whatever. No, man, I'm saying no matter what it is you're going through in your 101 or your 201, I want you guys to think about this. You can experience God's glory. You can feel his presence. The Bible talks about this. This is not just some joke and all that. These guys were really there. Now, please, if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 9. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 says this. I, John, oh, look, it's John again, right? He's there. I don't know what's going on. Maybe like every strip because these guys I'm telling you were close to Jesus, and they were hearing about Jesus, and they were caught up in visions. They were seeing things that God was doing after Jesus had left. They were experiencing His presence still. So look in verse nine. It says, "I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom, and patient endurance that are are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He was basically just traveling around." Verse 10, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. I was in the presence of God. I was in the spirit of God. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send into the seven churches to Ephesus. And all those words right there. Verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned and I saw seven golden lampstands. Man, this is getting crazy now, man. See, John was in the spirit and he was seeing crazy like visions and all stuff. Verse 13, and among the landstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. He's about to see Jesus. He's about to see Jesus right here. Look at verse 14. His head and hair were white like wool, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. This is your God right here. This is Jesus right here. You were thinking, oh, man, I can just kind of, you know, kind of like, he's like walking down the hallway, and I just, like, notice him, like, oh, my gosh, I can't, man, it's Jesus, man. I can't, I don't want to look at him and all that. This is not that kind of thing, all right, how you can't avoid the sun because the sun is going everywhere on the planet. You won't be able to avoid that Jesus and all his brilliance as he gazes upon you. Now, you guys in discipleship, I'm telling you, this is what you want to experience. This is the kind of God that you want to get close to. This Jesus is not that. He's coming back as a king. He himself is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has majesty. He has uh, holiness. He is the creator of all. And just to see him would invoke inside of any person a fear. Reverence, saying, "You're my God. I have to. I have to come down to my knees now. You're worthy of praise and worship. You're worthy of it. And all throughout Revelation, we see that. And guess who was the person who was seeing, it, who was ha- having those visions? It was John, one of the three, because he was with Jesus. He understood his presence, and Jesus was speaking to him, showing him what was to come in the end. Do you want that in your life? Do you want to experience that kind of close relationship where you go into your prayer closet, when you go into a place just between you and God, and you start to feel his presence? You just start to feel the love of God inside that room. Or maybe it might be when you're on the bus and you're going to school, on the train. Do you want to experience God this way? Because he's waiting for you to do it. What separated the three from the other ones is probably just that they were really going after him. We see them talk all the time to Jesus, and they're always the first ones to mention something, or they're always the ones who are wanting more from him. They weren't like Judas who decided to betray him. They weren't like that. They were close to him. They were getting invited with him everywhere because they knew that Jesus was the person who had the words of life. He was not playing around with them. He was Life itself. He was the light to the world, and he was bringing salvation. Now, the last point I want to give is that the inner circle got to see Jesus love others. Go into Luke chapter 3. Not Luke chapter 3. Sorry. This is so funny. I keep doing this. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Lucas chapter 8, verse 40. When you listen to the the Bible, it's like Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And on that day, Jesus said. When you're there, say amen. amen. Oh, man, you're all there real fast. I don't even see a Bible in your hand. What are you saying, huh? Okay. Okay. Luke chapter 8, verse 40 says this, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. You see crowds, they're always around, they're always just ready and willing to see Jesus and do something crazy. For they were all expecting him, verse 41, then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. Okay, so this is serious right here. This guy's daughter is dying. He sees that Jesus is a person that is able to heal. So he's like, okay, I got to go to Jesus. I got to go, fi- go do something. I don't want my daughter to die. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. but No one would heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. See, there's Peter again. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and she had uh, been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother your teacher anymore. So Jesus was traveling. His disciples were with him. And they're kind of like his bodyguards at that point because all these crowds are coming around. And this is not like this wide street that you have like in uh, our streets and all that stuff. This is small streets. There's no need for cars and anything like that. Maybe some like horses and in the donkeys and things of that sort but nothing like cars and so it's small narrow places and they're walking through there And all these crowds come and they're basically just pushing up and pushing upon Jesus because they know that Jesus is powerful they know that Jesus is something different those disciples are like hey man you can't touch him you can't touch him now a woman that was bleeding for 12 years said I'm gonna go and I'm gonna push for him that was a big no-no back in that time. That was a big no-no. That was like, no, you don't do that. First of all, you're a woman. You can't even do that because that was back in that day. Women had almost no rights, and they were saying, you have to be separated from men. So literally, that was a huge no-no, but she still did it. She had enough faith to do it. So obviously, Ben, you have Jesus. He ain't sidetracked. He's going to this guy's house, but then he gets sidetracked because he knows that he still has to heal people on the way. But what happens then? A person comes from the house and says, she's dead already. Who knows how long Jesus took to get there. Maybe it took him a few hours, but he was going. And you hear that report. Imagine now you're in that place. Oh, man, I like the devastation that you would feel. Imagine you had a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe you, you were the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend. You said, my, my boyfriend is dying. How would you feel then? Imagine just a few years from now when you get married and when you have children, your child is Dying. But you know that Jesus is around. So what did Jesus do? What what did Jesus do at this moment? Did he say, oh, all right, man, well, I guess I'm out now, whatever. You know, he just kind of, like, leaves and all that. Well, I guess there's nothing else that happened in this city, you know. Forget that. No, he didn't do that. What Jesus did was that he said, no. Look, continue reading right here. Verse 50 says, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Who was hearing that? It was the inner circle. The three that were with Jesus. They heard Jesus and his and his faith. They heard Jesus and his power. He said, Don't, don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about the reports. Don't worry about what people are saying. Just believe. So what happens? Verse 51, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except who? Except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile... All the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead but asleep. So they were just wailing right now. They're like, ugh, uh, But then what happens? Verse 53, they laughed at him. So they're like, ugh, uh, And then like Jesus is like, oh, she's asleep. And they're like, ha, 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 you're so funny now. So I guess they're like bipolar or something like that because they just they just went really crazy in the swing there. Maybe it's just the, the emotions, you know, the nerves. But verse 53, they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. You're like, silly Jesus. Don't you know? Don't you know that she's dead? She's like done. She's like cold. She's stiff. She's done. And I don't know about you guys if you've ever seen a dead body. I don't know if you ever had anybody in your family that ever got whoever passed away. But uh, when I was 14, I believe, 14 years old, my grandma passed away. And I was in the hospital when when they took off the the, the machines and all that. And I saw the flat line. I saw all that. And Man, I remember, like, you know, my mom was crying right there. She was just weeping. and She was so hurt. And it was, like, time for us to leave. You know, and I went and I kissed her, and she was just ice cold. No more life in her. Nothing. And we went away, and we just, we just had the, the most saddest day possible, the day that you can't really try to make it better because you know it's just there's no point to it. You know what happened. This daughter right here. This girl was dead. They all knew it. But Jesus said, no, no, you have to believe. People laughed at him. But the the three were there, and they were waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. They were waiting to see how Jesus would go ahead and really fulfill what he said he would do. Verse 54, but he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So you are part of the three. Imagine this. You are part of the three, and you're seeing Jesus do crazy things. If you're Peter, you're walking on water. You're seeing Jesus say things like, hey, man, well, like a crazy storm comes, and he says, all right, guys, all right, storm, be still. And you see the storm get stilled. You see crazy things of what's happening, and you're always around Jesus. Why is this something that Jesus wanted to do? I believe that Jesus wanted to do this with every disciple. I believe Jesus wanted to get close to every single one of his disciples. But they just weren't willing. They didn't really want to get that close to him. They weren't really willing to lay it all on the line the way that these three did. As you already seen in these scripture verses, Peter said some of the dumbest things. They're like, he like, I don't know, man. Something's happening here. I see three people. I'm just going to build shelters for you guys. That was dumb. Even the Bible said it. it's like He didn't know what he was saying but Jesus was with them and they experienced him in a deeper level than the other disciples did can i have the stephanie come up Jesus was with these three and he invested heavily into them and the bible talks about them all the time so now i want you to put yourself in this place you are a disciple You have said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a student of him. But are you close to him? Are you close to him the way that you can be? Because Jesus is not pushing you away and saying, no, 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 no. This is only really designed for, you know, certain types of disciples that I just really care about, have a special favoritism for. No, he wants each and every one of you to get closer to him to be a part of places that no other person could possibly even talk about. The disciples were there when he was in agony. The disciples were there when he was showing his glory, and the disciples were there when he was loving on some of the the, the most possibly burnt-out people. What would happen if you were that close to Jesus? Jesus? Can you imagine what you would start to experience in your walk of the Lord? Can you imagine what you would experience if you could be considered a part of the inner circle? That when, the, when all is said and done in this life, and they talk about what happened in Chicago, your name is mentioned there. Man, you saw what happened in Chicago, man. There was great revival. Destiny was there. She was leading some of the churches there. It was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine that? And not because of, oh, for your own glory, but no, it's because you're that close to God because he has restored what was most important. Can you imagine that? To be close to Jesus and to experience him. To be close to Jesus and experience what he's actually doing in this world. The people who are outside of the crowd don't even hear what Jesus is saying. The people who are outside, far away, far away saying, oh, you know what, I'm okay with Jesus, at least being here. They don't hear what Jesus is saying. But those who are close to him, who are in the inner circle, they hear him. And they see what he's doing. So if you're saying, well, I've never really seen anything happen about God. I haven't seen anything anything like that at all. Not in my school, not in this place. It's because you're on the outside. You're on the outside on part of the crowd saying, I am in part of the crowd. I don't care and all of that. But if you're on the inside, you know what's happening. Even if you are a disciple in this place, you're still not there. You're kind of over here just worrying about everything else worrying about being a bodyguard but the three right here close to him hearing his voice what are you doing Jesus you believe that this girl is going to raise from the dead you believe it okay I'll go with you where do you want me to go I'll go with you you want me to go on a mountain so that we can go and pray and I can see you get transfigured so that I can see you transformed into who you really are to see your heavenly body to see your body and all its brightness and shining and glory I get to see that you mean I get to hear you pray? You mean you mean I get to hear your heart? You see this is not the, that typical type of stuff we talk about. Hey man, you want Jesus to come? No, this is like do you even want to hear what Jesus is about? Not about now what he can do for you, but what he's doing in the world. Not about oh just me 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 me, you know, I have to worry about me. How do I overcome this? How do I overcome but more than that, but what Jesus is doing about how he's working in this world. Do you want to hear that? Do you want to be close to him? The Bible says that John would even lean on Jesus' chest. That sounds crazy. You mean like, Jesus seems like he's so cold and like he's just always like walking and he's not doing anything. But Jesus was a human. You would chill. He would chill. Maybe back then it wouldn't be called chill, but it would be hanging around, doing something. Pick it, picking up his feet. It's relaxing. And these disciples will come to him and hear him. Do you want to be part of that inner circle? Let's everybody stand up. And we're just going to go straight into prayer right now. So just close your eyes and I'm just asking for it crazy, radical disciples in this place who want to get closer to God. I'm asking for people who are saying already yes. I want to see you guys go even deeper with him. Jesus. Can I get the rest of the band to come up? are some nights where it just feels like, hey, man, this is just a regular night. This is just whatever. But I'm telling you, man, God is always wanting for his people to come closer to him. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So tonight, would you set it in your heart right now that you would take a step of faith even closer to him? The places where Jesus was, not a lot of people wanted to be with him. They saw Jesus in anguish. It was hard to see the creator of heaven and earth on his knees with his heart troubled because what was about to happen, it was hard. It was hard hearing people say that their family was dead. It was hard to see that. It was even hard to see crazy things that your mind can't even fathom. It was hard to see that, but they were there at least. Would you get closer to Jesus tonight? Would you uh, allow yourself to just move deeper into his presence? Where people might not even get to understand fully how you are experiencing him. The level of deepness that you're with him. The closeness that you're with him. How you get to hear his voice. How he gets to speak to you. How he gets to work inside of you. How he gets to show you the world. Would you get closer to him? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, I'm just going to call the uh, just the life group leaders up here, the life group leaders. Hallelujah, Lord. And if there's not a, a life group leader, can you please come and fill their spot, uh, those here? On guys! Quickly. We're not in any hurry tonight. We're not in any hurry to get to the to the end. Just the fellowship. No, we run out. Right we want to get close to Him. I challenge you tonight to not stay in the same spot today, to grow complacent in your place. I am challenging you tonight to go deeper with Him. I don't care if you've been to church for 15 years of your life, I don't care. Today, I'm saying God has more for you. God has more for you tonight. Do you want to go closer to Him? Do you want to be with Him? Do you want to hear His voice? Do you want to be in His presence? Maybe you already do that. Maybe you already hear Him. Maybe you do feel the presence of the Lord already, but I want you to go even deeper tonight. I want you to get changed tonight even further. I want you to be sharpened so much tonight that you come out shining. I want you to get so close to tonight that you are hearing his voice everywhere you go. That you're feeling his presence everywhere you go. That you're not afraid of what this world has to, to uh, try to attack you with because you are with him and he is with you. The Bible says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus, God, we're asking God for tonight.